0: We are Tim and Michelle Hill with Connect Over Coffee, and this is Midlife Realigned.
1: A series of conversations about navigating all things midlife and encouraging you to live your life with no regrets. Now, in last week's episode, we talked with Susie Vine about dealing with stress, and she had a lot of great suggestions for us. But we thought we'd follow up that episode by pulling a few key topics out and going a little bit deeper.
0: Yes, if you didn't hear Susie's episode, please go back and listen to that. It was uh, uh, great to have her on the show, and she gave some really good information. So we want this episode to be incredibly practical. So if you're not somewhere you can take notes, don't worry. We're going to make a PDF workbook available and link it up in the show notes with all the exercises and practices we talk about.
1: And if you want to have a clearer grasp on why it's incredibly important, crucial to your health and well-being Go back and listen to either of the previous two episodes, because we cover that in both of those episodes.
0: Susie outlined three ways we can begin to manage the stress we're under. And while we did talk about the three foundations of good health, sleep, eat, and exercise, the things she mentioned were a little different, less familiar. So we thought we'd go deeper and figure out how to apply each one of those.
1: So Susie and many others say that stress presents in three forms, three categories, physical, Emotional and environmental. Now, physical stress has two different kinds, like subcategories within that category. The first would be acute. So, this would be something caused by a specific event, like an injury. And the other type is chronic. And these are the things that are happening all the time. They're the most common. They're typically under treated and less obvious. And they come often from a long standing condition or from overuse. So an example would be an accumulation of sitting with bad posture daily or ongoing conditions like arthritis so that these things are causing you physical stress.
0: The second way stress presents is as emotional stress. According to Dr. Ben Kim, emotional stress is one of the most significant challenges in achieving overall wellness. Worry, fear, anger, sadness, and other emotions are all normal emotions. We're going to experience them. They're part of life. But if the stress that comes with these emotions interferes with your ability to do the things you need to do or that you want to do, your emotional stress level has become unhealthy. Symptoms of unhealthy emotional stress might be depression or anxiety, anger, irritability, restlessness, feeling overwhelmed, unmotivated, or unfocused, trouble sleeping, sleeping too much, racing thoughts or constant worry, problems with your memory or concentration, making bad decisions. So this is the list that was in the other episodes. It's a daunting list. But to complicate matters, we even see emotional stress causing physical issues and physical stress causing emotional stress as well.
1: It does get complicated. Environmental stress is the third category. Environmental stressors are the things around us, things in our environment that cause us stress. Some common examples of this, and let's just jump right to the most dramatic one, would be if you were in the middle of a war. Other less dramatic ones would be things like temperature or the noise level around you or being in the midst of a crowd. We've also run across some other categories like psychological, psychosocial Psycho-spiritual, but we're going to stick with the three that Susie mentioned in the last episode. She said that in order to manage stress, she suggested three actions that we should take. And the first one is to delete the sneaky stressors so that we have more capacity to cope.
0: Sneaky stressors. The second action to take is to have a more empowered perspective. We should reframe how we think about the experiences and the stress that we are experiencing.
1: And finally, take time to recover. So let the cortisol levels flush themselves out and give our bodies the time that they need to prepare for the next thing that's going to happen.
0: We're going to give you examples of how to take each of the three actions in each of the three types of
1: stress. So the first action was to delete the sneaky stressors. They just take up mental space and reduce our capacity to handle all of the other things. They're the things that we are procrastinating on that are hanging over our head or the small things that just pile up and sit in the back of our awareness causing stress or the things that we don't even realize are sitting back there stressing us out.
0: Hence the word sneaky. Exactly. We have physical, emotional and environmental stressors. What's a sneaky physical stressor and how can you get rid of it?
1: So let's just use the example that I mentioned when I described chronic physical stress, that the accumulated effect of sitting in a chair at a desk job is dangerous. It's linked to all kinds of bad things that are going to kill us. Now, there's some easy ways to get rid of this sneaky physical stress, and they all involve moving. Shocking, right?
0: Yes, we're found in moving Is so important for stress, physical health, so many different things.
1: The more active you are on a daily basis, the more moving that you do, the less this is going to have an impact on your health. So take walking and standing breaks. Focus on a step goal. Do your workouts. Just get moving. Or look for ways to work while you're moving. So at a treadmill desk or a standing desk will even help or switching between those two modes. I know of people who have started to schedule walking meetings. Now you can't do that obviously with a board meeting, but totally doable with one or two people. Meet up and have your meeting while you're going for a walk.
0: That's a great idea.
1: I know, wouldn't that be amazing? So your turn, what's a sneaky emotional stress and how could you eliminate it?
0: You know, this is hard. It it sounds easy when you hear someone like Susie or any person talking on a subject and they have the 30,000 foot problem and answer and the solution, seems so nice, easy, tied up with a bow, but then we would get down to the nitty gritty details of our own problem. It's tough. So it took me some time to work through this one.
1: It is hard. And that's really why we decided to do this episode, so that we can help people understand how to apply this advice that Susie gave us.
0: All right. So I thought about it. And I think during the pandemic, I became obsessed with knowing the plan, in air quotes, I wanted to know what the day would hold. What would I be doing? I think this was because I'd lost my job and all my usual daily activities were gone. I felt like I was drifting. I had no structure. This came out with me stressing over what was for dinner. That's just where it came to a head. We cook for the household each night and we have to have dinner ready at, say, a certain time that I thought. And I needed to know what was going on for dinner. I would ask Michelle what we're cooking for dinner. At 830 a.m. in the morning, (laughs) I knew that things, you know, it was logical to me. Things needed to be thought out and so forth. So I thought I'd I'd jump right on that and try to plan my day. By the way, this caused her stress, too. (laughs) Yes, it did. So the solution to this was that she sent me a meal plan for the week and also that there was no set time to have dinner. Both of those relieved me of the pressure to have dinner ready at a certain time and what it was that we were having for dinner. It was sneaky, and it was really stressing me out.
1: I had no idea until I saw that you were going to talk about this today, that that was actually stressful for you. But when you lay it out like this, it makes complete sense that sometimes those things that are sn- sneaky stressors show up in ways that we think of as a little thing. Like I couldn't figure out why you were <laughs> pestering me at eight <laughs> o'clock in the morning about what was for dinner. I hadn't even dealt with breakfast yet. But it's typical that those sneaky stressors leak out in these unusual ways weird ways and there was no problem with you knowing what was for dinner but if i could just give you a list it completely eliminated the stress that you knew what was coming and i didn't have to talk about it at eight o'clock in
0: the morning right it because of me losing my whole structure that was some way my subconscious is like okay we got to figure out how to get this structure back and that's how it it came out and it really did help once you gave me that list because then I can say, okay, if we're grilling out, then that needs much less preparation time than if we're doing stir fry and things need to be cut up and and stuff like that. So sneaky, but simple to solve as well. We just need to take the time to realize what's going on and how it's coming out.
1: Yeah. Sometimes if you just start, you know, putting your finger on it and saying, okay, this is what's happening and getting curious about why, like, why am I so concerned with dinner at 830? And <laughs> recognizing that it had to do with your schedule change and you're feeling kind of unmoored from all the familiar things makes total sense. Head, had we both understood that it might not have taken us as long to figure out how to solve how to solve the stress and how to get rid of it
0: yeah very true and the last one is environmental how could you eliminate a sneaky environmental stressor
1: i have so many of these that i could give you a million ideas but one of the things that i've noticed about that is that this is one of the easiest categories of all nine for me to gain capacity in. And I think it also highlights that there's crossovers. So let's talk first about the crossover idea. There are things that may originate in one category, but affect another category. And here's an example. I just finished a project that has been sitting around my home. It has moved around my home, literally for years. It was a commitment that I made to someone else. And it probably started as emotional stress, this commitment I made that I wasn't finishing. But then it also turned into an environmental stressor because it would take over physically the spaces that I was in, reminding me that it's not done and then just creating this cycle. But now that it's finished, I'm emotionally free of it. But my space is also free of it.
0: Man, crossovers can be a double whammy. But when you solve them, it's a two for one.
1: That's true. It took two of those stressors categories out of my background, just hanging out there, making me feel bad. But back to the sneaky environmental stress, I can in no way be classified as a nick. But when the space around me is a mess, it drains my ability to think clearly in a few different ways. I know I need to clean up. And probably in my case, I also know that there is some major organization that needs to happen because it shouldn't be getting like that. So I have this stress that it needs to be done, and I have the stress that the visual clutter just affects my thinking. I used to do major purges of stuff pretty frequently, and I always wound up feeling like a burden was completely lifted off my shoulders. You have no idea how much weight maintaining stuff causes until you reduce that load so i promise that i won't talk this long on all of the other things but this is one that i've experienced so many times and is my fastest way toward freeing up capacity to deal with all of the other things so here's what i'd recommend as a way to eliminate the environmental sneaky stressors take 15 minutes a day and begin to tackle either cleaning up organizing or purging items from your space whichever will be most impactful for you whichever you choose reducing the physical chaos around you and your environment will help you more than it seems like it should all right i'm going to go now clean my <laughs> desk off
0: <laughs> you know and sometimes it's to me if it's a a messy environment that makes sense it's okay. It's the ones that just accumulate that don't make sense. And what I, I thought about that was when you have kids and they're younger and you know there's toys out or there's you know Legos out, that makes sense because you have young kids and they're playing with it as long as they put it up afterwards. But even when it, they don't put it up, it's still okay. That's not exactly what we're talking about until you step on one of the Legos on your feet and you let out a howl because it's very painful. Well,
1: I think that when I mean, thinking back to the time when my son was a toddler and we had train tracks everywhere, he was totally into the whole Thomas the Train wooden track thing. And he would build these elaborate tracks and it absolutely could affect if we had a track that was sitting out there for a week and I was stressing about some things at work and I was working he would do it in the at that point we were working and playing in the same room and if I was feeling stressed at work having that kind of a thing that I was constantly having to step over or just see in my environment if if we cleaned it up it would free up it was a sneaky stressor and so even if it's things in your environment that should be there if you need some extra capacity cleaning up your environment is one way to just get kind of a a jolt of that extra capacity to to deal with it for the other things.
0: Right. If your kid's already 22 and the Legos are still out.
1: (laughs) That's a problem. (laughs) That's a problem. (laughs) Yeah. It is really interesting to figure out those things that are leeching our capacity to deal with stress. And when we get rid of them, we have so much more ability to cope with all of the other things that happen. And if we start noticing those sneaky things and then start tackling them one by one, we can free up a lot of stress space in our life. Or That's probably not the right way to say that, but capacity to deal with the stressors.
0: The second category of actions to take to help manage our stress level is to reframe our experience of the stress, to change what we believe about our stress. Here's an example with physical stress.
1: So when you experience fear of for example, speaking in front of people, you have physical symptoms. Your heart rate increases, your breathing becomes shallow, you start sweating. Well, these physical symptoms are identical to what we experience when we experience excitement. So one way of reframing that physical symptom when they appear because you're afraid is to relabel it as excitement. And so say to yourself, oh, I can tell that I am really excited about being able to share this thing that I am about to talk about. I'm excited because what it will do for those people listening. Now, it sounds like it could never work, but it totally does work. In some ways, I'm not sure that's a great example because it's hard to separate cause and effect between our mind and our body. And the example that you were going to give for this, we decided was actually more emotional. So let's share that one, too. It will just be a bonus extra emotional reframing.
0: Yeah, so you get the bonus. I think of the word yet. And it can be very powerful here and other places as well. But let me me explain that. A few months ago, I wanted to get back in shape. I'd put on some weight and really gotten stiff and sore. I lost flexibility. I used to travel a ton and I got lots of walking in. I worked out in the evenings in the hotel. And then when I lost my job, I stopped traveling for work and my schedule shifted and I didn't walk as much. I didn't have a hotel fitness room. I searched for online and I tried a few online programs. Most were 25 year old fitness models and I couldn't do what they were doing, but I tried, but I couldn't. Let's just say I aged out of that demo a few years ago, <laughs> but I did settle on DDP power yoga, Diamond Dallas page. It ain't your mama's yoga. As he says, I liked it because he's a former pro athlete and pro wrestler. He's actually 10 years older than me. So I got into the program when it started. I, I was still not able to do some of the things he was doing, not able to bend over as far and stretch or hold that plank as long as he wanted us to, that type of thing. And I was getting frustrated and stressed. And I thought I was doomed again because I could not do all the things. But he gave modifications. He said, do what you can, where you are, things a little bit less than he was doing. You know, so just drop down a level. He says, you're not where you want to be yet, but keep on doing it and you will get there. That one little word, yet, made me feel so much better. It relieved my stress about my ability. I was able to reform it from I can't, and I never will be able to do that, to I'm not able to do that yet, but I will be able to do that later.
1: It's fascinating how just shifting our perception can make such a big difference. My example on reframing emotional stress is from a presentation which we watched recently by Michael McRae, and he was talking about conflict because that's what He does. He's a conflict specialist. He talked about that we all tend to understand conflict as this horrible thing to be avoided at all costs. And he suggested looking at it instead as simply an opportunity to change or improve something. So, Tim, if you and I fight about something, not that that would ever happen.
0: No, never. Never.
1: Instead of getting all wound up in it as a win-lose situation... What if instead we engaged with it with curiosity and we looked at it and said, ha, huh, so we're fighting about this thing. There's obviously something here that either needs to be fixed or improved. So what is that thing? How could we improve it? What's the problem that we need to solve? And that is an attitude of curious problem solving and is a completely different approach to a conflict or a fight that we're having than that most people take. It completely changes the emotional atmosphere.
0: Absolutely. It it changes the atmosphere, but it also will, therefore, change the outcome.
1: Yeah. And it turns people from being adversaries into being a team. Like, how can we fix this?
0: Right. Again, it's just changes the outcome because of the way we're looking at it. Instead of a, I win, you lose, it's we both win if we work at it type.
1: Yeah. So environmental is next. How could we reframe our experience of an environmental stress?
0: In this case, I think reframe can be switched to eliminate or minimize. For instance, I like to go to work in local independent coffee shops. It gives a change of scenery that can help with inspiration and reflection. Plus, it has the bonus access to great coffee. However, at the same time, they can be busy, loud chatter, temptation to over-listen to other people's conversation. As good as the coffee is, grinders and espresso machines are loud. That can cause me to lose focus and not be productive, which causes stress from the environment and the fact that I'm not getting my tasks done. So what can I do? I can use noise canceling headphones or earbuds that will limit the noise and also the ability to eavesdrop on the interesting conversations around me. I can visit the coffee shop at off rush times so there's not as much crowd or not as much noise. I can get my coffee to go, stay there for a little bit to get the reframe benefit of a different scenery situation, and then go to work at a more quiet place like a park or a library. So being able to change the environmental stressors is a great way to get rid of them.
1: Those are some really good options for eliminating the not very sneaky stressors and those loud coffee gadgets. I do know of one way that I reframe coffee shop noise that I hadn't really thought about this until you brought it up. Background noise is really difficult for me. It might be more difficult for me than it is for you. I am really easily distracted by conversations, by a television or even music with lyrics will do it for me sometimes. It it just brings me into the story of whatever I'm listening to. Mm-hmm. So if I need to concentrate particularly while I'm writing and I'm in a loud coffee shop and I'm getting distracted, instead of viewing it as a distraction, sometimes what I do is I think about it as a fuel source. It's the buzz, the energy, and the vibrancy of community, of the human experience. And that becomes fuel for my creativity and my writing instead of a drain. We have a remarkable ability to choose how we perceive things and how that will then affect our bodies.
0: You know, that's really fascinating because we have the same environmental stressor, the loud chatter, coffee shop, all that. But we both reframed it in a different way that was good for us.
1: The idea of reframing something is... Um, is unusual for us. We don't think about the idea that how we think about the thing affects how we experience it. So we can either just get rid of it. But what if we can't get rid of it? Like, what if for some reason that we have to work in that coffee shop? How can we change how we think about that noise that affects how we experience it? And I think that that is a that's a practice thing. Like we can get better at doing that if we practice that kind of reframing in areas of life because it's not I don't, I don't think it's a really normal way that we experience it we're much more likely it's much easier sometimes to cut it out
0: to react to it and just you know knee-jerk reaction to cut it out versus hey how can how can I use this how can I reframe this to help me
1: yeah how we believe about something affects how we experience it that's a fascinating concept and not one that we experience normally or not one that we think about frequently
0: true And the last action we're going to talk about is this. Things we can do to manage stress is to take time to recover from the stress.
1: Right. This is my favorite, but not because it's easy for me, but because I've been really working on it for the last few years, creating rhythms of rest and recovery in my life. We need recovery because stress floods our system with cortisol, and that's going to happen. It should happen, but we don't want it happening 24-7 That's what causes most of the long-term stress damage, that we need time for our bodies to settle down and recover from that hormone flood. There's always cleanup and recovery after a flood, right? If an area is constantly reflooded, no one can live there. So it's just the same for our physical bodies. So the physical is the first kind of recovery. And we were talking about this the other night. Physical recovery might mean a lack of activity, it could be taking a nap, or it could be no workout, but there are other options too. In the book Rest by Alex Soo Kim Pang, he talks about the importance of active rest, that the most important thing is to be immersed in something completely different than what you're resting from. So it might be a leisurely walk or a game of volleyball with friends if you usually lift weights in the gym. It should probably be something less intense, but it can just be different. So for physical, reducing the intensity of what you're doing, what you're putting your body through, and changing your activity is rest. So how about emotionally? What would recovering from emotional stressors look like?
0: Emotional stressors can be a long list, but a few of them are sadness, anger, grief, information overload, guilt, worry doubt self-criticism feeling out of control anxiety we we've had this list a few times and it every time i read it it, it's so stressful stressful (laughs) and and i'm just naming a few of them so any one of those is draining and and a stressor so some of them are ongoing and some of them are episodic by that i mean an event or one time or recurring event they occur and they make you feel stressed one way to recover from um, any of these stressors is to have a friend or a community to rely on with that issue this can be anything from talking about it asking for advice or support an example for me of this was the loss of my mother dad had passed away many years ago and while that was incredibly difficult mom was still there to help with the support of me and my sister When mom started getting sick and her health started declining rapidly, I had a few friends tell me when mom passed away that I would feel like an orphan. And that really confused me because I'm like, how can I be considered an orphan? I didn't understand what they were saying. I was raised with parents, so I'm not an orphan. I didn't realize what they were actually trying to prepare me for. A short time later, mom did pass away and I was holding her hand as she passed away. That was one of the most difficult and touching things I've ever done in my life. In the next few minutes, I said to myself, my sister and I have no parents anymore. We are orphans. It hit me hard. Um, it hit me hard now. We were at the top of the family tree now. Any questions that came up? No more asking advice from mom and dad. It dawned on me what my friends were trying to prepare me for and what I was going to need to recover from and I needed that recovery. I did go back to them and thank them and we talked about it more without the help and advice from them and many others in the community, which we talk about community a bit more in a moment. My recovery from that stress of losing my mom would have been much more difficult.
1: Another thing that I was thinking about that's related is for caregivers to just have a break. I know that one of my mom's friends who was caring for his wife when she had Alzheimer's would have mom and some of her other friends occasionally stay with his wife who needed 24-7 support so that he simply had an evening or some a couple of hours away from that responsibility and stress. That would be another example of recovery from emotional stress.
0: Yes, absolutely. Just the break, whether it's going to a movie, going to a dinner, just whatever, just to have a relief of that responsibility is huge. What would recovery look like if we applied it to our environment?
1: This one just feels too simple to me. Change your environment, right? (laughs) Even if it's only for a short time, leave the stressful location, go outdoors for a 10-minute walk, even blocking the environmental inputs with those noise-canceling headphones like you mentioned earlier and closing your eyes for five minutes can give you some relief. Work from a different location one day a week. Just getting outside in nature for a period of time can reduce environmental stress by frankly, a shocking amount. There was a study that found that living on a tree-lined street reduced stress to the same degree that a 20% increase in income level did. That's really amazing and speaks to the power of a natural environment to reduce stress.
0: Wow, that, that is amazing that just the tree-lined neighborhood can, can do that for you. So those are some ideas about how we can make st- uh, space to recover from physical, emotional, and environmental stressors. We've been through all the categories now, but I feel like we ought to add one more category. And we talked about it at the end of, of the last episode, and that's why we think it's so important. Community.
1: So what's one way that community can help reduce physical stressors?
0: We talked about physical often being a medical condition or you know, either chronic or acute. I think this one can be recovering from an injury. I know when I had my ACL replacement surgery, there was a ton of stress. Aside from the pain, there were many things going on that were causing stress. I had difficulty getting up and down, doing the things that we take for granted. I tried, and it just wasn't possible. I had to rely on my first level of community, my family. I had to accept that I was going to need some help. There was also physical therapy involved. I had to see the physical therapist a couple times a week to get the mobility back. Again, it was tough, painful, and discouraging. It was slow progress. There were other people there as well. After my session with the physical therapist, I had to do exercises on my own at the gym area. Walking or actually limping on the treadmill, stretching. There were other patients there at different levels of recovery from the same or different injuries or surgeries. They were helpful because they would give advice and encouragement while I was there. Um, And it made the stress of getting better and make progress, you know, move along much better because it gave me hope that there was it could happen instead of just me giving up or feeling discouraged. So the power of a supportive community was critical to my recovery. How about emotional stressors? What's one way that community can help there?
1: Well, our community can be a huge emotional support if we let them. Making a practice of developing a few relationships where helping each other is the norm is a great way to help you cope with everyday stress. But it also creates the opportunity to have support when bigger things happen. So start with small things. Ask for help with small things and accept that help. And that will begin to eliminate those small sneaky things and put a support system in place so that when we're hit with a large trauma, that community is there. Plus, here's an example I gave in the episode with Susie. I think it's worth repeating, though. If you struggle with anxiety or depression, let someone else close to you know how it shows up in your behavior and what they can do to help you when they recognize that behavior so that when you're in the middle of it and it's really hard to ask for help, those systems are already in place. Last one, environmental. How can community help reduce our environmental stress?
0: One way to eliminate environmental stress is to be aware of what types of environments or situations stress us out and replace them with a positive location that involves community. If your work environment is loud and stressful, plan a lunch midweek with a small group of friends. This will be a break mentally and emotionally. I know of several friends who work out in the morning or after work. Yoga too art classes, cooking classes. This is a different group of friends than their core friends and family. It gives a fresh perspective on things too. A very powerful community that can affect your environmental stressor is your faith community. Going to church, feeling the power of your faith with others can relieve your stress and recharge your energy. Most have a super system of uh, small groups and support that can really make your life feel elevated. Any of these can help you adapt and deal with different areas of stress in your life. It truly does take a village.
1: Yeah, so that is, I think we said there was originally going to be nine, but that's 12 different ways that you can take the advice that we had in the last episode and actually apply it. And you can see the way that we've kind of dug into this and applied it. So we're going to put together a PDF that has some exercises that help you walk through the same kind of exercise that we did when we created this episode in your own life and so you can check that out in the show notes there will be a link to how you can get that pdf today's episode is brought to you by the morning moments matter box and that box is a super simple way that you can take the time that you use to brew your morning coffee and turn it into a ritual that will start your day in a positive frame of mind
0: great coffee and a ritual that engages your body mind and heart you can check it out over at connectovercoffee.link backslash MMM. Thanks so much for joining us on this conversation. We hope you heard something you can put into action today to help you make the most of your moments.
1: If it did help you, I want you to think of someone right now who would benefit from this conversation about stress-busting ideas and then share this show with them.
0: Until next time, stay caffeinated, y'all.